everyone, Dave and Jeff, back for another podcast on a Sunday night. Very excited to talk a little Padre baseball. Uh, Dave, I love the guys at Mad Friars. I think they do an absolute fantastic job, and it's great for us tonight. We've, we haven't done this as far as a phone guest in a long time, so if the levels get a little bumped, just ride with us. But it's great to have John Conniff with us, who put Mad Friars together. And John, the one thing we talked about was kind of helping fans like me, like Dave, that have read so much about these guys, separate fact from fiction. First off, congratulations on the top 20. Overall, is there a Padre fan, John, and you look ahead to the next 5, 10 years, of the guys of the top 20, realistically, how many of these guys can be impact players? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of your guys' podcast, and, you know, one thing when I listen to it, I always hear Dave make, uh, which I think is an accurate comment that only like two or three percent of these guys really ever make it. But the one slight pushback I'd have on him is that you have to take that number in context. Like when people like you know Jeff or big Padre fans and the rest of the people on Twitter talk about these guys, they're talking about maybe ten or fifteen guys. I'm probably about two hundred and fifty guys in the Padre system. And then on top of that about seven or eight of these guys are in the top 100 by Baseball America and MLB.com. So you're talking about less than 1% out of 6,000, you know, minor league players. So, yeah, I think quite a few of them have a, you know, an, a shot to be an impact player. But, you know, as far as me being able to tell you definitively who is and who isn't, I mean, I wish I could or I'd be, you know, saying, you know, Jeff, hey, I'm talking, <laughs> get a pencil writing stuff down because I, I can't do that. You know, I can tell it's kind of like playing a game of blackjack, you know, certain odds that are better on certain guys. You know, as far as that number goes, when we say 97% of the people that go into pro baseball don't make it, you're right. It, it does depend of, of where you are and the kind of player you are. And the reason I always throw that number out there is, you know, I, I coach a lot of kids and a lot of kids like, like me and maybe like Jeff uh, had the dream of one day, hey, I'd like to be a pro baseball player. And you try and be realistic. That's why you try and drop those numbers. You know, just like in basketball, Charles Barkley used to drop the line all the time. There's a better chance of being a doctor than being Dr. J. And and it's it's tough to sit there and have to do the work and have the skill and everything that goes into being a pro baseball player. To get there is absolutely amazing. What the Padres have oh, done with this – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, one thing that you see a lot is – and you would know this, but – better than anybody else being active in youth baseball days. You see guys come up maybe to Fort Wayne, lower levels, or or the short season, and they struggle for the first time. And they've never struggled in anything athletically, and it's a really difficult thing to go. But here, I'm sorry I catch you off. No, go ahead. No, no. So, so my point is it's, it's one of those things of being realistic. If Yeah, it's great to have the dream and keep chasing it until somebody says that, hey, it's over. You're going to take that uniform off for the last time. But you look at what the Padres have, and it is different circumstances than what the Padres have, and let's say what the San Francisco Giants have in their minor league system. My, my, my point is you look at what Preller has done, and he's built this system up to the point where people who have no vested interest in the Padres doing well or failing are sitting there complimenting the Padres over and over again how great their system is and the quality of players that they have. My, my point is, before I tell Padre fans, it's not going to happen. And that's not what I mean. I'm not here just to, to be a jerk and, you know, Jeff will right. turn the whole world against me. My point is, it hasn't happened yet. So until we see the guys that have come through, the Tatises, which seems like the ultimate guarantee, 
I'm telling everyone, let's just wait. And I think a lot of good major league teams sit there and develop these guys and get them as high as it can possibly go in their farm systems and use those guys as the final pieces to basically finish out what would be a World Series team. Don't fall in love with everybody because those guys are guys you might have to trade away to get that guy that's your eventual closer or eventual you know, second baseman. Oh, I would agree with that. I mean, I think uh, the Jed Hoyer has made a good point. About 30% of development is going to take place on the major league level. That's why I think, you know, this this kind of narrative that I think we, we teased Buster only a little bit in our top 20 was that that the Padres have to win this year is, is foolish because, I mean, all those guys realize, you know, this is the next step in their development coming up and being, you know, in, in the major leagues. And one reason the Padres have been able to develop a minor league system is because for three years they've, you know, basically sold off anything of value that they could get, build up to the draft is one, but, you know, trading a lot of guys with any type of value, like, you know, you get Chris Paddock, you get guys like Josh Naylor and Fernando Tatis, and they're spending more money than they ever had in the international system. So it's, you know, Preller deserves a lot of credit for kind of not only implementing this plan, but getting ownership to sign off on going on board with it, and pretty much, I think, getting a lot of the fan base behind him, too. John, one of the things that we'd like to do is look at some of the different positions. And I, for me, I think the best way to go, we'll start behind the plate. We'll work our way around the infield. We'll get to the outfield. We'll close with the pitchers. There is okay. a fascinating debate for me about Mejia and Hedges, guys that yeah. are are different in a lot of ways. Uh, you would know a lot more about Mejia than we do, other than just basically what we read, and apparently his defense is atrocious, everything else. Looking at him from people you guys have talked to, what excites you the most about Mejia? What's the biggest concern? And when I say biggest concern, is it something that could ultimately be a detriment to his future with this team? Well, I, didn't, I haven't seen Mejia yet personally myself. One of our writers, Ben Davey, was able to go out there right when uh, the Padres got him for El Paso. One of the things I've heard from when I was in Tri-Cities and talking to a few of the, the catchers and one of the catching instructors was there was, you know, they said Mejia was a better catcher than a lot of the a lot of the reports initially were, is that, you know, they put him through a lot of drills, you know, they think he has a, a negative on him by some people in the Cleveland organization, from what I've read, and this is secondhand, is, they weren't sure if physically he's going to be big enough to stand up to play about 140 games. He's got a very good arm. Um, you know, saying he's not the same defensive guy as Austin Hedges is really unfair to Mejia. Hedges is one of the best defensive players in the game. How much you kind of balance out between what his offense could be compared to Hedges is something else. When we interviewed Keith Law, Keith was adamant that Mejia should get the majority of uh, the starts behind there. It's just because his bat's so special. He believes he can be an average catcher. I mean, I'm going to go out there in about a week and a half. I'll have more of a chance to get a first-hand look. But, you know, that's really hard to say because I think I, I heard on one podcast, Dave made a good point. It's really hard, I think, to make a judgment on just how much a catcher's defensive ability will impact the game. I mean, that's just, I mean, every pitcher I've ever talked to is absolutely great about throwing the hedges. So, and I'm that's I covered Hedges all the way up, interviewed him twice for Baseball America, and he was always, I mean, uh, I think they said he could have caught in the major leagues at Fort Wayne. The question is, is this batter going to come around? Yeah, yeah, and John's fighting a cold. We appreciate him battling through it. 
And, and that's the thing I always wonder with Hedges, too, is a guy who's such a student of the game and everything else, like it, it shocks me that he would struggle so badly offensively. John, have you heard anybody? The, the, the easiest thing for us to connect these guys as fans is if we can get a comparison. If you know, like, hey, this guy kind of reminds me of, it doesn't mean there'll be an identical match. But have you heard anybody matched up for Mejia offensively that the fans would immediately go, oh, okay, that would be pretty exciting if we had a guy like that back there? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, because Mejia, the, the, the thing on him is he has incredible bat speed. But, you know, the question is, he doesn't strike out much, but he doesn't walk much either. And will pitchers at upper levels be able to take mm. better advantage of him? You know, one quick point back on Hedges. A long time ago, when Hoyer was here and Jason McLeod was the guy who drafted him, McLeod made a great point was that the difficulty, and he later went on to the Cubs, he said the difficulty was going to be not promoting Hedges up too quickly ahead of his bat. He thought Hedges would be able to hit, but he said Padres would try to push him up a little too too, too quick to get him past it. And that kind of happened with a lot of times in Hedges' career. I mean, <clears throat> he had two years in A San Antonio where he just did not hit. And he, I thought he kind of turned the corner when he was in El Paso. You know, then they had that thing in 2015 when they called him up and down. So they're really kind of lucky Hedges is as good as he is with kind of the mistakes that you've seen in, in the development of promoting him throughout, you know, like three different regimes. You know, to give him a, a fair shot to or defense to his struggles, they changed batting instructors, hitting coaches every goddamn year. I mean – Talk about a guy that is struggling, and then you get a new guy to come in and say, this is now my approach to how I want you to go about a bats, how I want you to swing. You could see a few years ago, Jeff and I were doing the, the show here, doing the show on radio, and I and I said to Jeff, I go, he's going to struggle. You know why he's going to struggle? Because his stride is too long, and his stride's too long, and when he's, his front foot is striding and it's in there, it's impossible to swing the bat until you land that foot down, and the ball's still moving, and he was late, and he couldn't time it out, and hitting basically his bat speed, balance, and timing, and he had no chance. And then you get rid of the hitting coach they have, then you bring in another hitting coach who happens to be a lefty hitting coach that completely isn't the same talking to a guy like Austin Hedges. So here's a guy that's even trying to figure out what the hell he's doing, and now he, he's stuck every single year with a different guy that is saying, this is how I want you now to learn how to hit. He hasn't had a, a fair shot. I know he has his own private hitting coach. He falls in the right. category of he has to do what you tell every high school kid when you realize he has a crappy hitting coach to say, yes, coach, and then do your thing because he, <laughs> he hasn't had a chance to sit there and, and find his way. I Honestly, I feel bad for the guy that is, his bat is so far behind because you got to think his hand-eye coordination has probably been there his entire career. It's not all of a sudden this guy couldn't hit. There's something that got him drafted and got him drafted and respected by Major League Baseball at, at such an early age to now that this guy can't figure it out. It, it's a shame. And you wonder about Mejia, is is he going to be a guy because, as you mentioned, he has tremendous bat speed. It, it's it's really incredible. The, the, his body size will be the one question mark. Couldn't agree more with what you said. But when you, you look at Mejia, are they going to try and mess him up now because the name of the game and sabermetrics is, hey, you got to walk more. you got to take more pitches. And if that takes away from his aggressiveness, does his bat now start to falter? You know, I'm not sure. I remember when Hedges did hit really well in El Paso. I mean – they had them all on the one mantra was just being on time and getting his foot down. The one thing for Padre fans, I think, which should be, you know, kind of optimistic is the guy they have as a hitting coach, Johnny Washington, was just who was their last year as an assistant hitting coach. 
is really liked by a lot of those guys coming up. I mean, um, the play-by-play announcer, Mike Sager in San Antonio, he told me Hedges, I mean, Washington was the only guy he'd ever seen on those really long bus trips that they have in the Texas League. He would set up a whole little video center where guys would come in and they would just, he could connect with people better than anybody he's ever seen. And I think that's kind of why, you know, Washington got the job when I saw it wasn't that stairs did a bad job. It's just that Washington is kind of, you know, he has kind of a relationship with guys all the way up and down the system. And he has seen as just a, a guru on hitting. So we'll see if he can, he can work out, but you know, he, he's fluent in Spanish, so that'll help. So he's a guy I think was really a, a good, good selection by Preller and company. Yeah. I, I like it a lot, John. I, I've had a chance to go up and, and watch Elsinore a lot the last couple of years. And it's been really, really fun because you've seen some names that were drafted or signed and you've kind of got to look at one of them and, and we'll bring up a few of these guys, but kind of as we work our way around the diamond, the guy who had been playing first base up there was Josh Naylor, who I saw, and then Josh Naylor at Double A. Now with Hosmer moved uh, in, or now that Hosmer's in, they're moving Naylor around. What do you like about Naylor's game the most? Well, Naylor was a guy that all of us were kind of wrong on. I mean, when I saw Naylor when he came over and after like elsewhere, I, I frankly thought he was too big to mm. to really be effective. And they, he lost some weight, and they put him in the outfield last year for most of the time in San Antonio. At the plate, you know, he's got a lot of power. I mean, he's got a really good idea of the strike zone. He pretty much struck out as many times as he walked, which is really impressive for a guy his size. He was one of the youngest guys in the league last year. And I'm in San Diego this year. We're going on about a week and a half. Um, I suppose he's lost even more weight. I mean, if he, if he can be a semi-credible outfielder and there's a lot of debate among us on the side about whether that can or can't happen i mean he is easily the best uh power bat they have at i'd say double a or double a and above that the padres have but yeah he, he's an interesting guy but you know he's blocked by both uh cosmer and by by Myers. but he has the ability to play right field too he's got a good arm i'm just not sure how mobile he's going to be out there is he a guy that you see more as a trade piece for the padres in the future it could, you know, I mean, I think the thing we're going to see, um, a couple of us, uh, Kevin Charity and I have a big uh, group thread with the guys from the 5.5, Eric and Danny, we're really good friends with them. We always kind of go over these different uh, scenarios. And I think the thing is, you're going to see the Padres move into more of the Dave Dombrowski, uh, you know, trading them prospects. You're going to see when people are blocked, that they have a lot of quality guys behind them. And, you know, they're not going to be the type of trades I think that Jeff referenced the other night where it's like, uh, you know, Jose Perella for Mike Trout. Who says no? <laughs> I mean, there's going to be some really quality prospects that are blocked. You know, a good example could be the shortstop you're probably going to have next year at a, for the Lake Elsinore Storm, Gabriel Arias. Arias is probably a slightly better defender than Tatis. He can't do the other stuff, obviously, as well as him, but he can turn into a pretty good shortstop. And then you have all that left-handed pitching that you got. I mean, you got Lauer and Lucchese on the legs. You got Logan Allen knocking on the door. You got Gore and Morahoe, and you got Weather. So you're gonna a couple of those guys are gonna be moved. So you can the Padres. I think in this another time we'll reference what Keith Law said. They can put together as good a package as anybody for a young, controllable, you know, pitcher if that's what they want to get, or, or really anybody. Or they can even move one of those guys in 
package him with Will Myers to get some of the most of that salary. They chose to do that to open the spot for Naylor. But Naylor, I would predict this. Josh Naylor and Austin Downer are going to put up some huge years in El Paso and the PCL. With the parks they have there and the thin air, they will get a lot of home runs. Uh, we know the second baseman, Urias. We've talked a lot about him. Uh, right. Tatis, we've talked a Good lot job about him. Hey, <laughs> well, every now and then I get one, right? Like I always tell you, John. John, I always tell you, when these guys get to the bigs, I'll I'll make sure I focus on them. But, and we'll get to Tatis. We'll save Tatis because I, I want to move to third because third to me is fascinating. It's even more fascinating now that you have Machado locked in for the next 10 years. But a guy, right. and look, Anybody understand what I'm saying? When you have the opportunity to go get Machado, you get him. But a guy that, John, that you guys have talked a lot about, we saw a little bit of, he wasn't the guy that was kind of in that first wave with Urias and Tatis and Gore that you talked about. But Hudson Potts was always a guy kind of right there, kind of right below the wave of people that you would hear from the organization that they really, really liked. Now, maybe he was two or three years away, but now that you have Machado locked in for 10, what's the future for Hudson Potts? Well, they've have, they have always liked Hudson Potts. He was kind of an unusual guy. He was drafted when he was uh, 17 out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and he you know, he had he had a really good, good uh, debut year. He was kind of I was up and down in Fort Wayne, but he ended up hitting 20 home runs. And last year, he just tore apart the Cal League. I think they promoted him a little too quick. That that's trifling to uh, to San Antonio last year. I mean, he's going to start off the year in Double A. He they played him around a little bit at second base, where he played earlier in his career. He can play second. He can play third. He can play left. But he's another guy that's probably blocked and uh, could be a potential trade piece. And when you talk to most of these guys. You know, they realize that, and their dream, they like being in the Padres organization, but their dream is to be a Major League mm-hmm. Baseball player. And Padres giving them an opportunity to showcase their skills, I mean, they they can go to a place that will let them play. You know, when you, we talk about, obviously, fans, and they're called fans for a reason, but when you talk about fans that fall in love with the different names back and forth, as far as right. AJ goes, I mean, he, he talked about a real vested interest in every single one of these guys. How hard is it for the Padres to say, "I'm going to include this person in a piece"? I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer if you're if you're more than fifty percent of the way there and you're as loaded as the Padres are, let's go ahead and trade some of these guys who are actually proven at the major league level. I think the one thing is kind of holding him back a little bit, and. Uh... You know, last year I wrote an article on Eric Lauer, and I, I quoted uh, Jeff, who I thought had a really good line. And he said that the Padres are kind of in about chapter seven of a, of a book. And I got a, a text back from Woods going, hey, don't stop. A good article, but you don't need to quote that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I think to answer Dave's question, I think you want to make sure you get the right guy, that who you decide to keep and who you decide to let go. So, I mean, like, when I would listen to a lot of things in the offseason about how they were including Morahone in a couple of trades, I, I didn't see that. Because, I mean, they, they paid $11 million for Morahone, $22 million when you take a look at the total uh, fine they had to pay in 2016. And the last thing I think they wanted to do was trade Morahone to two years of JT Real Muto. So, I think this year is kind of what I think you guys have said. They're going to kind of see who's up here, and kind of the bigger question is going to be some of the things that people like you guys and Darren and, and 
Ben Woods have been asking is like, what is an acceptable tryout period for somebody? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at a, you know, like at Austin Hedges, who we we're just talking about, how long do you, how many at bats do you give them before you think, hey, maybe we should try Mejia? Maybe someone else might be a better, better option. You know, in center field, you have those questions too on the big club. I think that that's what this year is going to be about, and I think next year is going to be more the the push really to to contend. But I think the Padres got a good shot to finish third third this year, just how the division stacks up. I agree with you right there. Here's my my question on, or my my answer to what I think on how long you give a guy. I go by the Ben Davis route. I always think of Ben Davis. Remember when Ben Davis first came up and oh yeah. And he was, he was red hot. I mean, everybody was in love with Ben Davis. Women were in love with him. Padre fans were in love with him. And he was red hot. And the thing that separates, to me, Major League Baseball players, the guys that have sustainability, are those advanced scouts. The guys that sit behind home plate and are sitting there getting their team ready for the next three games after the series the Padres are currently in. And if you can make it after six weeks and you can continue to put up the numbers you're putting up and go, this is the real deal. But if you fall apart – and sometime between day one and the six weeks is up, you have there's a reason for concern. That means the advanced scouts had figured you out. Well, you know, I mean, they can kind of figure it out on the way up, too. I mean, and people always love who write about prospects, talking about all the guys they were right about and they ranked high. I mean, you can take a look at some, one of the guys we ranked high and never really made was uh, Jeff Decker, who I think mm. – I'm sure you guys remember him. Yeah, actually, I was I mean, just looking at yeah. him two minutes ago. Yeah, he had a – you know, he was – 18 he was dominating in the midwest league and he pretty much had the approach where he would just sit there and wait for his pitch which was an inside fastball and he would he would get it and he would just beat the crap out of it so if you're in like the short season league you just swing a strike you can be pretty good if you're in a ball and you kind of let that one strike go the pitcher can and bet that he can't throw it a second time where he'd be higher up you're going to be all right he got up to double a and suddenly he had a deal with you know, a guy could put two sliders on the outside part of the play, and he couldn't make that adjustment. And so when you're looking and trying to analyze guys, if I came on this show with you guys after the Fort Wayne year and had a 450 on base, and I'm saying, well, you know, I don't know. He's not swinging at kind of bad bad strikes. I don't know how well he's going to do it at that level. Can you tell me I was an idiot? <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to kind of see how things play out on their way up and kind of like what Dave was saying. I think baseball is just a game of adjustments. When people do something, you got to kind of make that. That's what Tatis did last year in, uh, in San Antonio. You know, he started, he lowered, he got rid of that big leg kick. He started kind of focusing more toward going to right center, and that's how he, he really turned around the season. Uh, John, we'll get into the pitchers, but uh, just as we complete with the position players, uh, again, looking at outfielders, watching Elsinore a lot last year and, and respecting that it's Cal League and a lot of things. Right. I felt like Buddy Reed looked like a much more special player than Jorge Ona. And I remember Ona when he oh, came yeah. up with the with the money and kind of like we talked about. But I, I also remember that there had been a knock on Buddy Reed that he, he may not have the ability to, to go very far up the chain. Man, I'm telling you, watching that kid go from first to third and hit, uh, again, respecting the level of competition, he just clearly stood out. When you look at the Padres outfield, John, and the guys that we've already known, right, the the Reyes, uh, or Fran Mil Reyes and, and Cordero and all these guys that are there, but just kind of giving the, the fans some guys that are right in that next wave. How good is Reed? Is Ona 
at this point kind of in the rearview mirror? And are there any other names we need to be paying attention to? Well, I think as good as the Padres system is, the outfield is probably the weakest part. And I mean, mm-hmm. when they when they draft, the Padres are really big about for position players kind of staying up the middle. And so, you know, when we go out there and interview A.J. Preller, hopefully one of the questions we're going to ask is how they, you know, kind of find that big bopper. And, you know, Oni was a guy who was supposed to, to be that. He was a guy that would, could play both corners and maybe even a little bit of center. He can't. He can play left. He's been injured a little bit, but he had 240 in the Cal League, and the, this guy cost $14 million when you had no penalties. No. As far as Reed goes, Reed was a huge uh, surprise because Reed was a guy who went about 267 in his junior year at, uh, at Florida, which isn't the type of numbers you see from guys that are picked that high. He's always been a guy that was people were in love with his athleticism, and this was the first time it really came out. Now, he struggled when he went to San Antonio and a couple of those guys kind of question, which was a little scary, his ability to hit the fastball. But, you know, he's, he's come around and he's, uh, he did well in the Arizona league. So we'll kind of see what he can do in double a, as far as in Elsinore next year, you can have two really good young outfielders. You're probably going to have Jason Rosario and Tirso and Nellis, who's mm-hmm. a native of Tijuana or Nellis is a kid. who's a left-handed hitter about six, four, has just a beautiful swing. Rosario plays one of the best center fields you're going to see. And he's actually seeing about Jason this kind of Jason, Jason Rosario that's interesting is he's completely ambidextrous, even though he only hits from the left side. I mean, the Padres, Sam Ganey, the Padres director of player development, will show you this video of him uh, taking ground balls at second base and throwing. I mean, he looks really good. He's, he's, a, he's a freak. He does like uh he can do handstands and circus flips all over the field, too, if he gets him. He's a lot of fun. When you talk about the Padres outfielders that they have right now, give me two guys you think should be on the way out and two guys that should be on the way up. I, I, I'm, you know, I don't like to be that negative because I think, like Dave, I think, said very well at the beginning, it's just such a tough game and some of these guys are not going to make it. But I think the guy on the way down would be Cal Quantrill. Um, I think he was the fourth best pitcher in San Antonio last year, and it wasn't really even that close. I mean, I thought Jason Nix and Logan Allen were much better, along with Chris Paddock, obviously. Uh, Quantrill struggles to command his fastball. I don't think he had a consistent breaking pitch all year. He's got a good changeup now. He can change, and that's the thing in the minor leagues. Things do change pretty quick. Uh, for a position player who's kind of ranked high, I think it's Esther Ruiz, who was a guy who they got in a, who came along in that. The trade with a Mets Strom, uh, second baseman. I just don't see where he can play defensively. I mean, he, he doesn't have a good club at second or, or third. As guys on the way up, I mean, one guy who's pretty well known, but maybe not as well known as he's going to be, is Louis Patino. And you're going to see him this year in Elsinore. He's about a six foot right handed pitcher from Columbia who sits, this means sits consistently about 94 to 97. You will not believe the velocity this guy has. Good changeup, good slider coming off. Really positive kid. I also like. Uh, hey, real real quick, here. let me stop you real quick on the one you just mentioned. Sure. Am I crazy? And, and it's horrible to put this title on the kid. Does he remind you of Pedro Martinez? A little yeah, bigger, right? Little, I mean, everything you just said, every pitch you yeah. just said, the way he's built, everything. Yeah. And I know that he's, Pedro's a Hall of Famer, but this guy reminds me of Pedro Martinez. He's a little thicker in the core. Okay. He's got some giant legs on him. And, I mean, he, he really worked with him. The Padres found him as a shortstop. Literally, when we talked to Chris Kemp, 
they, they saw him throw about, Kim saw him throw about literally a bullpen, about 25 pitches. He said, yeah, sign him for 150. <laughs> that's, <laughs> how, that's how they got him. Wow. And I mean, he, he is, he is as athletic as any pitcher that you're going to see. He reminds me a little bit of Johnny Cueto because he has all these pitches, starts, and then he just, We'll put it this way: When he was throwing that hard, and I was in Fort Wayne, and I saw him, I didn't believe what the scouts' guns were on there. So I went upstairs to the stat gas, and the guy up there goes, "Yeah, he can throw every game on ninety-four. He can touch ninety-eight occasionally, and then he has a killer changeup." So you're going to watch him and Mackenzie Gore, I think, next year in Lake Elsinore, and I can see both those guys being moved up to Double A by midseason. That's what I was going to say, John. Staying with those two guys for a second, and circling Gore into that as well. For people that are thinking about Petco Park, for both of those guys, more than likely end of 20, or would you say now nah, maybe 21 for those guys? You know, when I was there, at the best time for us to go to spring training, we always get anxious, but we try to go at the end because that's when all of uh, the teams are kind of being settled. And Mackenzie Gore, at the end of last spring training, was just blowing away everybody. It didn't matter what level it was. I mean, it was a left-hander, about 6'3". Had a really good command of a fastball at 7 mid-90s, a great changeup, and a very good curve and slider. So the thing that the Padres were even saying, they thought he was going to be in Fort Wayne for half a year, then they put him up to double-A. And the blisters are kind of what held him back. Yeah. If Gore's healthy, Gore will be in... Amarillo, uh, the new double-A affiliate by mid-year. And he could even be in, in San Diego by 2020. And I can see them pairing Patino in because Patino, Patino is really, really good. That's the guy the Padres are absolutely in love with. Man. All right, let me get to the guy that, that everybody's talking about, right? And that's Chris Paddock. And what I want... <laughs> What I want to go back to is what she talked about with Austin Hedges, with the idea that they kind of moved Austin Hedges up kind of quickly and that there were some people that felt like it staggered it. And we've paid really close attention to Paddock from the day he got here because I'll, I, I've said this on the podcast a thousand times. I was in Monterey when that trade went down and looking at his numbers, I called Dave and I go, dude, this is – I mean, I understand the kids where he is, but look at this guy's numbers. And Dave laughed. He goes, well, you're the only guy who said that because the pods are getting killed on our show. And we followed him. We saw him at Elsinore, have a relationship with his father on social media, which is great. And I'm looking right. at what he's doing in spring training, John. I always think of Woody Williams in spring training that would have an ERA of about 47 would come to San Diego and everything would settle down. Look, you've talked to a lot of people about Paddock. These guys know what they're doing. Are they rushing Paddock with the idea that he could be on the opening day roster, or is he just so far above anybody else in mental makeup and physical makeup that he's ready for the big stage? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I think he's only had a you know he's had a little bit of time above uh, a ball. And I, I luck out because I hadn't seen Paddock because he was he got hurt pretty quick in Fort Wayne, mm -hmm. and before I went to Lake Elsinore, I went to San Antonio, and that's right when Paddock got called up. So I got to go see his debut in San Antonio, which was, you know, unreal. I mean, you could imagine a guy like they always joke about how he dresses. He had his whole family out there, 
and about 40 or 50 guys all dressed like that. <laughs> and he, it was kind of a rainy night, and the, the manager at San Antonio is going to be with Amarillo. It's one of the better people you'll meet in baseball. I mean, Dave, you would absolutely love him. He's as old school as you get. So Paddock is out there. It's raining. He's just sitting by himself in the dugout with his headphones on. I'm talking to uh, to uh, Philip after the game, Philip Woolman. And I said, what did you guys do? He goes, oh, hell, man. He's intimidated the hell us. We just let him sit there in the dugout. And he just was staring. No one wanted to mess with him. And so he gets out there, and he just blew people away because his changeup is great, as you guys know. But yeah. he's about six foot five, and he's another guy who throws. I, I'm sorry, this sounds like a broken record. He throws about 93 to 96, and he can absolutely place his fastball wherever he wanted to. He gave up one home run, and I still remember the guy comes up the second inning. The guy comes up the next, you know, next time to the lineup, and I'm sitting behind there where I'm thinking, well, he's going to be kind of careful with him. He's not going to do too much. And Paddock, I mean, he's out there pawing at the ground like a bull inside the, <laughs> the stable. Someone wanted just to get out of it. He threw, threw a 95 mile per hour fastball inside, threw a 92 on the corner, and threw a changeup. And the guy just swung right over and he just like kind of strutted off the mound. And, uh, you know, he's awful special. I mean, we. Our site tends to like him a little bit more than the national ones. I think all of us have seen him a little yeah. bit more. And I think his curveball, his curveball is good. As Wellman pointed out, when he misses with the curve, he misses down. It doesn't hang up there like a Christmas ornament. And as Sam Ganey, the Padres uh, director of player development, who I just said uh, a while ago, he made the point that he thinks the curve's going to come along. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. They're not going to have him crank out 50 curveballs on the side session, you know, to get it up there. And he throws the thing about maybe five times out of 100 pitches. So he could. I think the big concern with Paddock right now is not so much the service time. It's just they're going to want to be careful with his innings. So maybe if you put him in El Paso for a little bit of the first month, get him a couple innings start just slowly and bring him up by May or June. But both those guys and Logan Allen, who I'm a really big fan of, I think are going to be part of the rotation by you know by May or June. You know, the most impressive thing I think by most people that follow what the Padres are doing and Paddock is is you mentioned the control about his his oh. ability to to keep from walking guys and be able to dot it wherever he wants. I mean, it's it's as simple as every big league hitter can can hit a fastball. It doesn't even matter if you throw it 103 miles an hour; they can hit the fastball. Right. But if you can command that fastball with the changeup, which at this point in Major League Baseball is so much more devastating than any curveball or slider, uh, and you can pinpoint it, it, it's everything. I mean, that's actual pitching. It's not throwing. It's it's an artist painting a picture. And, you know, it's what Maddox was great at, even though he threw much slower. But if you have that kind of control from Paddock, you wish every one of your pitchers had the same tools. Well, you know, to, to, to kind of follow up on what you said, you saw that at the future camp. You know, Hunter mm-hmm. Green was throwing the ball well over 100 miles an hour. He threw one to Tatis. That must have been about, they timed at about 101 on the inside part of the plate. But, you know, as Jim Callis of uh, MLB said, he throws that hard, but it's a really easy ball to see. And those guys would just, if that's all he had, and they could just time it, and Tatis, you know, pulled the thing. I mean, it was a line shot in the left field. And it was a 100, 100, 102 mile per hour fastball on the inside part of the plate. But yeah, thing about another thing. Go back to Paddock real quick. Is when I've interviewed him a couple of times, the thing about him is so interesting. Is not only did he really work hard in the, you know, through his rehab, but he would 
sit there and watch every video he could of the games he pitched and try to think what pitch he would throw and visualize things. And then the last story I have on Paddock is one of the, the catchers in um, Tri-City told me a good story. He said when he was going through his rehab, I guess he was in some drill and there's a bunch of guys who are running with young pitchers and they're just kind of goofing off and not doing it. And he said the thing that was real impressive was Paddock just said, hey, you know, there's plenty of time to talk. Just work on this. You'll get a little better and you can relax. And he said that what was so impressive was he said it not to kind of do a look at me through all the coaches. He was just trying to help someone and be nice. And I really think he's, he's a leader too. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Chris Paddock, and, you know, we've got to know his family a little bit like you guys have, too, and uh, hopefully he'll send out some barbecue to us one time. His dad was, uh, <laughs> yeah. his dad was a big, deep brisket thing. His bot- the one thing Chris can talk about as much as pitching is what's quality barbecue. Oh. And never soft on his father's brisket. He'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, you know what, a, and anybody who's gone to Elsinore knows, Elsinore is about – you know, the the race, right? Uh, I mean, the mascot race and all the fun things they do there. I'll tell you, Dave, I saw him pitch twice up there, and it may have even been a third time. I can't remember. But there, there's a presence when this kid pitches that's different. And what it reminds me of, and it, it's, a, it's another huge one, it's different in his approach, in his swagger, in his attitude, and it reminds me. I know some people will say San Diego Jake Peavy, which is fine. I know what you're going to say. I go Kevin Brown. I you're going to say that. I, I go Kevin Brown because it reminds me of that. When Kevin Brown was here in 98, John, Dave and I saw almost every start, covered him in the playoffs, saw the whole thing, and there was a mentality that when Kevin Brown took the mound – that was infectious to his teammates. They knew there wasn't going to be any bullshit. They knew nobody was going to any kind of problems. And it's still uh, knowing Kevin Towers like we did and a lot of Kevin Towers quotes that were given to us. It's still one of my all-time favorite KT quotes was going into game one of the divisional series when all the hype, and rightfully so, was about Randy Johnson who had been traded to the Astros. And they asked... Uh, Kevin Towers, if he was concerned about his team facing the big unit, Kevin said very confidently, I'll take my chances with my guy. Well, we know what Kevin Brown did that night, whatever it was, 16, 17 strikeouts. It was incredible. Yeah, watch it, man. Watch when he goes, and it's the whole persona and the suit and the whole thing. It's really, really fun. Uh, John, we'll wrap with Tatis because – He's the guy, man. It's it's still incredible to think you got him in that deal for James Shields. This first year, I'll give you this, John. This would be one for you to think about. Does okay. he make Sports Center more for his offense or his defense? Oh, I think it'd be about 50-50. I mean, the thing about Tatis is when you talk to him, he sounds like some guy. I mean, you grew up along the beach area. He sounds like yeah. someone who's, you know, from Carter. Just relaxing, you know, not a whole lot bothers him. He's just dancing in between pitches. And then you see him, him move on the bases, and it's it's incredible. Another thing, too, which, you know, I think is, is kind of interesting is you watch him, and this is, you know, kind of anecdotal because I'm not there every day, obviously, but if you see him in the locker room, he's totally bilingual. I mean, he gets yeah. along with the Latin guys and the non-Latin guys, and they all love him. And, I mean, he is – the only time I – I interviewed him about four or five times, and the only time he ever saw just a slight 
bit of an edge to his voice as I asked him about the famous uh, Barry Bloom. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and he uh, he was pretty cool. He was laughing, at, but he said, you know, the only reason I responded was I wanted to show this guy that I know what I can do and I know I can play and I know at the end of this year I'm going to be where I'm, I, I am. And he showed remarkable maturity. I mean, I would have been a dick. I mean, right. I'm double his yeah. age. I mean, and, but he is a, I think we've been doing this since 2000, I think this since 2004. He is by far the best prospect I've ever seen the Padres have. I agree with that. I, th wow. I think Jeff would agree with that as well. You know, I, I know a lot of people watch the highlights of what happens uh, in winter ball. And it's something I think Major League Baseball to the point where you're looking to attract young viewers and people to go out to games and have excitement. And we talk about some of the, those soccer games that are absolutely ridiculous where the crowd's into it and the electricity. And it's one thing Major League Baseball is really hurting for. But young people say the game is now boring. I would love to see some of the flavor. I'd love to see Tatis be able to yeah. bring what, what we saw during the winter to San Diego. We know Machado would be part of it. The deal is guys police themselves. And then all of a sudden we talk about guys who throw 98 to 100 miles an hour that are breaking wrists and forearms, and it keeps guys from, from expressing themselves. Baseball and their dumb unwritten rules um, basically are hurting themselves when this is a time where they yeah. need to market and, and, and show what they can do. And the NBA has figured out Major League Baseball's uh, hurting themselves, uh, and it's just just my feeling. I hope we get to see some personality. I, I will. Uh, I, two things I want to throw at you really quick is it's funny. Okay. Jeff Jeff nailed Paddock a hundred percent before anybody else. Yeah. Uh, Jeff nailed uh, Paddock when that whole uh, deal went down, and, and not saying that you didn't have it, but Jeff had had a platform of uh, of a radio microphone at the time, and and I was saying you got it. I hate to say it, I, I was I think I'm right on this Cal Quantrill. It was mm -hmm. I was uh, unfortunately yeah. it hasn't worked out the way the Padres thought it would. It worked out exactly the way I think I told you. The other guy that is next in line, and I know you, Jeff, and, and you don't like to be negative. I'm not so sure I'm sold on Ryan Weathers. What's your feeling on Ryan Weathers? You know, I mean, on Ryan Weathers, I uh, I didn't see it. I mean, and uh, I had a chance when I was in San Antonio to kind of hang out with uh, Logan White, you know, who's and it was a lot of fun to talk with him. And we kind of, I think I can say this, we, I, I asked him, why he picked him over the two kids in Arizona. I think it was Gorman and the guy that Tampa took. And he said he liked both of them, and he's seen a lot of them because the Sun played against him. He just thought Weathers was better. So, you know, I refrained from telling him that, you know, I saw, of course, 30 seconds of tape on Weathers on MLB and that he was wrong, and despite sending out seven scouts and the guy and everything, that they've been right. But, you know, Law's big on him. Callis likes him. He's supposedly a guy with really a high floor, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I guess I got to see. I mean, I like the guy that took a lot in the second pick. I like Xavier Edwards a lot. And one yeah. quick thing is, I was going to say the best thing I think about the signing of Machado was I think that just it makes things so much easier for Tatis. Because oh, one man, of the things right. I'm worried about was if they hadn't signed Machado, Tatis would come here and there'd be as much a media circus as San Diego is capable of. And I think that just makes his transition so much easier. And uh, the last thing is, I hope Jeff gets out there to see Gore pitch because Gore, yeah. when he's on, is every bit as exciting as Paddock. And I like Paddock a lot. And you talk about a guy who is an intense competitor and also participates at Dave and Jeff Charity. I mean, I right. Tell yeah, him absolutely. He finds something. He goes, oh, hell, I love dogs. I love dogs. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that too, John, because I, I do want to thank the guys at Mad Friars, Dave J., 
Kev Charity, John Conniff, because when we put the event together last year, there were so many exciting things that, I mean, I, John, I think I told you, uh, the day of the event, I was contacted by uh, Callaway, uh, contacted me, and said Jason, uh, Jason Finley contacted me. I never spoke with Jason. Day of the event, he gave me two drivers that brought in, and then close to 800 bucks. And the Marshall Falk <laughs> Foundation contacted me that day. Brought us a Marshall Falk helmet. It was amazing. But what was really, really fun was the help that I got from Matt Friars and JoJo Tarantino um, getting autograph balls from guys within the organization. And so many guys. And we had Mackenzie Gore baseballs. We had Chris Paddock baseballs. I believe we had Fernando Tatis baseballs went as well. Yep. And it speaks so much about this organization from JoJo, who hit up all the trainers. But but John and his guys did so much to help us out. And, uh, yeah, you know, John, we're, we're always indebted to you. And like I say, and, and I encourage all Padre fans to do this, know what you don't know. Yeah. We don't – I John, I'm all in on going to Lake Elsinore. It's, I have two buddies that live up there, and, and right now I've never had this much excitement as a Padre fan – I loved watching uh, Torrens last year. I heard Ted kind of downplay Torrens today on the broadcast. Again, mm -hmm. respecting that it was Class A. I'm watching him throw dudes out from his knees last year. The former Rule 5 guy and was – I saw him hit two monster home runs up there. And, again, he may not be Mejia. He may not be Austin Hedges. But we were watching him go, whoa, that guy kind of stands out. But when you're trying to find – who really is fact and who really is fiction, uh, we encourage you to, A, follow Mad Friars on Twitter. If you do, the pinned tweet is the top 20 that Fox Sports San Diego just featured. It's fantastic. And a subscription to the website is money well spent because it really does. These guys shoot straight. They tell you who to keep an eye on, who don't. And there's nothing better than being the smartest guy in the office about the uh, prospects coming up. Their guys all see them. You'll know all about it. John, it's always a blast when you come out to San Diego. Beer's on us, brother. Oh, definitely. Let me say one thing. I, I shouldn't after that great thing, but we have to also kind of really thank Jeff. And uh, I'm going to apologize to Dave right now. No problem. Say something nice about Jeff. When I was, uh, I was overseas with my uh, other, my real job, and I get this in Thailand, I get this tweet, from, not tweet, you know, text from Kevin Charity. Saying, hey, you know, we got to do something on changing around Scout. And we found out through Jeff that Scout had uh, giantly upped their monthly subscription to 20 bucks a month. And, uh, you know, Jeff gave us uh, this patented gentle kick in the nuts. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we were pretty upset about that. So we called Scout when they told us to pound fan. Uh, we made everything free. And, you know, this past year we went independent. We were able to get the price down to five bucks a month. Oh. So we got the most revenue we ever did, and we can fund all of our trips. So we owe a big thanks to your guys' podcast for making us aware and uh, making our uh, site better, hopefully. It's awesome. great stuff, and I'd much rather promote you guys than that dipshit Steve Woods. It's always a <laughs> – hey, John's on the East Coast. We're taping this incredibly late. John, thanks as always. Uh, we appreciate it. Give me the, pronoun the cor correct pronunciation for me and Dave. Adrian? Motorhome. Oh, look at you. See what he did there, That's Dave? That's pretty good. Like the waiter at Miguel's. <laughs> John, you're the best, brother. We appreciate you very much.
Uh, we dug that a lot. John Connor stayed up late on the East Coast to do it. We usually don't do traditional interviews like you hear on radio shows. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Dave, there's, man, I just, I appreciate what they do. I learned so much from what those guys write, all of them. I like them all. Um, really, really fun site. Like I said, for five bucks a month, it's uh, it's really, really good, especially because there's so much excitement around this farm system. Yeah, well, here's the deal. He he, what gave you reason, I think, number one, to be encouraged, which I've mm-hmm. never said, don't be encouraged to what you have. My, my only thing I'll say to Padre fans, and don't take it as a negative, they aren't competing for the World Series this year. They aren't expected no. to in 2019 or 2020. It's going to take time. In my mind, the guy I keep re- recapping as far as saying, where's he at and where's he going to be, it's Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. Because I say, okay, well, when Mackenzie Gore gets up here, where's he going to be to the point where you think he's a one or a two? And let's see where the franchise is. I think, honestly, everyone talks about Tatis being the guy. Mm-hmm. I think you go as far as where's Mackenzie Gore on him being the ace of this staff because that's what the Padres think. They think he's going to be the number one that, hey, when the World Series starts a game one, Mackenzie Gore is our guy. It, it's the craziest thing. Now, I work in Carlsbad, so this really works if you're in North County. If you're down here – where Dave is in East Lake, it it doesn't always work to your benefit. Although Dave, you're in Del Mar, and by the time your workday is over in Del Mar, you would know. What I'm getting at is how late it is in the day before you find out who the starting pitcher is yep. at Elsinore, and if Patino's going to be there and Mackenzie Gore's going to be there, I'm absolutely going to be there. Uh, I'm I'm just this year I'm planning on going a lot. Because I enjoyed it, that drive up the 15 is a pain in the ass. But fuck it. You go and you you have fun. And I just, I have buddies that live up there and we go. And and the friend of mine was saying, man, I remember when we came out here and whoever it was, Robbie Erlin or others were the highlight to see. And now if Gore is going to pitch there and others like we saw Paddock and Reed and other guys come through, yeah, it's really, really fun to first look at guys that could be up. I mean, we saw it with Lucchese and Lauer two years ago, Dave. Those guys went uh, two years ago. They were at A-ball, and then they were in the bigs yep. last year. Yep. And Lucchese's throwing the shit out of the ball over there right now. So he may be your opening day starter. No, I, I have no problem with that. No, I don't either. I don't either because, I don't know, maybe they just look at Paddock. I trust those guys a lot more than me. But I, I don't know what the rush would be on Paddock. But if they're just like, this fucking kid is so far head and shoulders yeah. above anything else. And if Trevor Hoffman's there watching it, Ballsy's there watching it, Preller and the rest of them, yeah. then, yeah, I'm going to trust their eyes much more than any concern we have. I just know he's the guy you're looking at to be a part of that rotation for the next 10, 12 years. And if 2019's not going to matter, what's the point of uh, plopping him on the mound on the 28th? You, you know, did did you read the paper at all today? I did see that okay. talking about. I thought it was timely, knowing that John was coming on yeah. tonight. The comparison when Keith Law had him as the number one farm system in 2012. You yeah. talking about that article? And that that was interesting with too. Jeff yeah. Decker. Yeah, <laughs> and you're, you're looking at the different guys. Just to, just to throw a couple names at you in mm-hmm. in 2011, where the Padres' top guys were Austin Hedges, Joe Ross. Chase Peterson, who was doing a great job for a while with the Braves. Yeah. Uh, Matt Whistler, Kevin Quackenbush, Colin Ray, Burt Smith, and what Spansburg, whatever. So you, you sit there and you go, okay, there's some guys hitting misses. The deal is how many of those guys, as you say, are all-stars, you know? Right. 
And how many of those guys are guys that you go are, are franchise type guys? It's like that with the, with a lot of teams in Major League Baseball. And not saying 2012 is going to be 2021. You can't sit there and judge that. Kevin AC. Right. I don't think he does a bad job. I think he frustrates a lot of people. <laughs> the part that he wrote today, where he showed the last five World Series winners, and he was showing the, what their minor league systems ranked, was almost so fucking. <laughs> confusing <laughs> then i'm like i'm looking at it going i'm not a dumb guy baseball is yeah. my favorite thing in the world yeah and i'm looking at going what the fuck you know i'm going what are the, what's the point you're trying to make yeah and don't be afraid to put the year over the year you're talking. like he does the last five years well is okay. it going from left to right or right to left because <laughs> i don't know where the fuck the rankings are now i'm all confused oh, shit. yeah you know what i'm saying is this yeah. 2014 is this and i'm like Fuck this goddamn paper, you know. <laughs> and I'm sure that's not AC's fault that someone yeah. up the, at the desk. But fuck it, just make it easy to read. That's all we care about right now is Padre baseball. Just fucking figure this goddamn thing out. And, and look, I understand it worked for the Astros and it worked mm-hmm. for the Royals. It didn't work for the fucking Giants. Yeah. It didn't work for the Red Sox. It just there's different ways to to basically go at it. And I understand you're writing the article, but fuck if if you're trying to make an argument, don't be afraid to put the stats that prove your point. Well, for me, it's. I just I don't even waste my time with that shit because growing up a fight guy, like I have no idea who'd win between Lennox Lewis and Larry Holmes. Yeah. So why give a fuck trying exactly. to figure it I'm out? I'm with you. Like I That's I, one of those questions your eleven year old kid asking in the back seat when you're driving back from LA. Right. And just something to talk about. Yeah. But why kid, waste your fucking time on the radio I, with it? Yeah. Who would George Foreman, Mike Tyson? I have no in their prime, I have no fucking idea who wins that fight. It'd be great. I'd go in a minute. I have no fucking clue. Right, my kid always asks me like, uh, "Hey, who, like, where does the uh, Brooklyn uh, Nets salary, you know, how is their salary cap lined up for 2024?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "How fuck do I know?" Jesus Christ, man! I go, I don't know, I don't give a shit. I made, uh, you want to hear how I made my kids laugh today? Yeah, well, yesterday you're killing me. Yeah, go ahead. I was laughing all day long thinking the way you were talking to your kids. At uh, at the well, yeah. we'll get to that in yeah. a second. So today, um, who's the guy? Brett Eld- Brett Eldridge. Brett Eldridge. Yeah, I like him. Of course he do. Yeah. Okay. So Brett Eldridge. I like and- how you pick and choose which country singers you like and don't like. I'm that, down with George Strait. That makes the judgment for everybody else. Well, I learned from the best. I like Steve Mickey Woods. Gilly. I got it. You're yeah. hanging out with Woods too long. Only guy, old guys. So uh, today. Uh, Brett Eldridge is on, and Brett Eldridge has a song saying, I want to be that song. Yeah, that's a great song. Okay, so <laughs> I take that song. I have my son's in the back seat. Yeah. And I go, oh, really? You want to be that song, Brett? A lot of kids grow up want to be an astronaut. Mary wants to be a doctor, but you want to be a song? Way to shoot for the stars, you asshole. Now, that's exactly how I say it in the car. What's wrong with you? And my kids are laid out, laid out. So all I do is I just answer line for line as he's going on. Um, Like every line in the song, I just answer, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, is that right? Boy, aren't you, I want to be that song. Yeah, I heard you, Brett. Okay. I bet your dad's really proud of you. Maybe you want to be that goddamn streetlight next. I... Christ. It's the greatest. This is coming from a guy going through a divorce. Just yeah. You. Okay. Next time you're in love again and you hear that song, you're going to feel a little fucking different. No, I won't. I will laugh because of the way my kids, 
I I go for low hanging fruit. You know why? Because low hanging fruit I, tastes I, good. I, I fall yeah, and I've fallen for it for years. Yeah. I my, used to laugh all the time when we'd go to commercial break and someone would say, Hey, I'm Chet Atkins. Yeah. Hi, Chet. Yeah, you know what you say oh, time. hey, Chet. Yeah, that's what I always do. I laugh every time. Well, my kids, the low-hanging fruit for my kids is when I cuss. Yeah. And I cuss at anything I can, especially on the radio or other drivers, because it lays them out. So today, with Brett Eldridge, I pointed out that uh, Billy wants to be an air. You know what, Brett? And I raise my voice. You know what's really great about your your quest? You know, your friend Billy wants to be an astronaut. That's what people do, Brett, okay? Mary wants to be a veterinarian. But you want to be a song, you asshole. And they're just, I can see it, and they're just done. Yeah, I'm sure they go home and tell their mom. Yeah. She said to me the other day, because uh, there was something that had happened at school. And... You know, I said, man, I, I don't like it. There's all these things going on. Name calling everything else. And she's like, you're the one who told them they were a couple of little assholes when they were 10. <laughs> and I said, well, look, yeah, I'd probably have a couple of mulligans. But I said, I guarantee you one thing. Never been a day in their life where they didn't know where I stood on yes, that. Yes, there you go. Oh, I wonder where dad's coming from. <laughs> so I'll... Uh, <laughs> It's we do it all the time, and it's such low hanging fruit. Yeah. But people driving too slow. Ah, look at this dipshit! <laughs> what? What? It's the greatest. Who cares? They laugh all day. They laugh. I guarantee you their mom doesn't do it because she's boring. <laughs> I can't imagine your ex-wife <laughs> talking to them like that. The thing is, they must laugh their ass off because there are two of them, and they just look and they're laughing at the right, same thing. They're it's done. Fantastic. And I trash talk the other one. Yeah. Hey, that shot you made today, you threw up there in the game, yeah? Horse shit. <laughs> Horse shit. And his brother lays out die laughing. My God, you know I'm there. All the parents look at me and I just go, hey, sorry, he sucks. And they're like, what? <laughs> it's the best. We laugh nonstop. Yeah, I just tell them all the time. Like, hey, you know what? I'll tell you this. If the if the goal of the NBA is to take horse shit shots, you got a bright future, kid. <laughs> and his brother. I just played to the audience of one, which is their twin brother, every time. Oh, that's too damn funny, yeah, man. It's great. Who cares? They, I go, I asked him, I go, yeah. when's the last time you, you sincerely believed anything I said? They go, oh, God. We were probably six. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. You haven't believed anything for five years. Oh, my God. That's so damn funny. Yeah. Damn it. That's we so laugh funny. a lot. I want to mention these guys before we um, be, be, before we, we'll talk about what happened this weekend and also we'll talk about the, the Raiders in a second and how they're trying to get a little bit better. I want to mention Alan Taylor, Taylor May Pools. Right now you're sitting there going, you guys are talking about pools and it's freezing outside. Look, it's not going to be freezing for long. It's March. This is the time you need to call Alan Taylor at Taylor May Pools because it can make your summer that much better. 20 years in San Diego, Alan Taylor will build and construct your dream pool with your thoughts in mind. He'll sit there and show you the 3D technology. He'll show you everything that they can do as far as building that perfect pool for years to come. Plenty of memories. Don't forget to call Alan Taylor. Here's his number, 619-449-4452, 619-449-4452. So funny, talking to a friend of mine, who moved away from California, moved to Texas. Cost of living got very high here. 
bought a beautiful property in Texas. The problem is they have a very small backyard. And I said to them, hey, how is it? And they said, you know what? It is great, but damn, did we miss our pool. And she was saying, oh, I listened to the podcast. She goes, you're right. I went and checked out the website, TaylorMade Pools. She's like, you think they'd commute down to Texas? I'm like, hell yeah. They got land movers down there yes, in Tyler, Texas. I don't know be down there in the morning. But I think, Dave, the, the thing that you look at wherever you go is if you have the benefit and you've had the chance to buy a house, you're lucky enough to have a backyard, don't just stop there, right? Yes. Don't just stop. Do it. And, and I think that's the other thing, too. Man, I, I'll tell you a quick story. When going on vacation and doing different things like that, how you get jacked on everything. I'm going to Toronto. I got to go to Toronto for a week, uh, three different times this year. The first yeah. trip happens for me uh, the first week in May. I'm staying for a couple of days afterwards, and I was saying to friends that travel, this happens all the time. So I was trying to find a place uh, to stay downtown. I find a two-bedroom condo that they're renting out. It's on like the 20th floor of this building, and it's unbelievable. It's got a balcony right below the CN Tower. It's free parking. It's unbelievable uh, condo. But by the time the fees are done and the taxes are done, the whole thing, it was going to cost me like 400 a night. And all of a sudden, it just made me think of Al Taylor because yeah. – you want to go somewhere. Well, every hotel charges you now for parking. Then you have to go everywhere you go. You got to deal with traffic. If you fly in anywhere, you got to deal with the TSA lines. It's all a pain in the ass. So if it's something you've never thought about until now, man, if you could put a gorgeous tailor-made pool in your backyard and not have to worry about any of that bullshit, I highly encourage you to do it. Absolutely. Okay. Look, here's the guy for your brand new house that we talk about all the time. Yep. It's Brian Curry. Everybody should be calling Brian Curry. More than 20 years selling real estate throughout San Diego County. He knows San Diego better than anybody. Where do you want to move to? What neighborhood do you want to stay away from? Brian Curry is your guy. Don't forget, he's also a military guy. He's the guy that made the transition from the military to have a great career selling real estate. He's also your guy for property management. If you need someone to manage your property, call Brian Curry. Brian's your guy. He's our guy. 619-251-1588. 619-251-1588. You know, the one thing, too, that I'm looking forward to working with Brian on is if I buy a place, I have a friend of mine who recently, within uh, like three weeks of um, broke a faucet line, yeah. a water line broke, then a furnace line broke. And if I go to Brian and he and I are looking at places, I, I can ask him shit like that, right? Like, hey, have they had the main line clean? Like, have slabs been, you know, anything? Dryer lines have cleaned out. All that different shit, Dave, that you and I and the average homeowner wouldn't think of to ask. But if we looked and said, hey, what's the repairs that have been done here? All those kind of things where you look at and go, shit, man. Am, am I walking into uh, a money pit or is this place really, uh, are we stealing this place because the values are so great? It's the stuff you don't know where Brian's going to help you the most. That's why we love dealing with Brian Curry. Absolutely. And of course, to finish things out, you want to take care of that that property by looking through a great landscaper. Well, we have one for you. 
Ryan Barkley and Scott Barkley, Barkley Landscape, they're the people that we use. Are you tired of coming home and looking at your yard looking horrible? Do you need to set up your front and backyard to look great for the neighbors to say, man, those are neighbors that care about our community, which guess what will raise the value of our house? Ryan Barkley's number is 619-669-8000, 619-669-8000. Anything you could possibly think of for the outside, Ryan's your guy. Yeah, I think right now, too, the one thing, we've had so much rain, but the rain leads to weeds, and then things yes. are going to dry out, and then all of a sudden that becomes a huge hazard or a bunch of different things. I'll tell you the other thing going on in those weeds. Those goddamn rats are in there. Get those goddamn rats out of here. Bats flying around. Who knows what else is going on in there? What kinds of crazy shit? That's why you want to call the guys from Barkley Landscape. But I think right now, too, Dave, just kind of talk to those guys and say, hey, what works well? And if we are going to continue to get rain, which feels like we're still going to get, oh my gosh. what plants drain the best, what holds the water, what retains it? Just talk to them, man. 30 years, Barkley Landscaping, they're going to get you all squared away. And finally, when I mention Kyle Fluger, of course, right oh, now, yeah. if you're looking to say, you know what, it's time for me to start up my a brand new business, or I already have a business, but the website could use a little bit of work, Kyle Fluger is your guy. What are you waiting for? Kyle's done a great job with the people that we know. 619-500-6621. We couldn't be more happy to be associated with Kyle. 619-500-6621. I'll tell you what, if you're one of the guys that owns the granny porn websites around there, you may want to call <laughs> Kyle Fluger. Maybe we can keep Kellen Winslow Jr. out of jail. For Christ's sake. Jesus. That's, that's sick fuck. Fucking <laughs> 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 hey. What's up with that idiot? Uh, Kyle Fluger, let me say this, too, because I, I always point out what a great job Kyle Fluger did, but I surely don't want to diminish what our original guy, Eddie, did, because Eddie was amazing. Musician and a friend, when this podcast was just starting, Eddie got everything up and running for us, but then Eddie got busy with work, school, he's a recording artist now. I was just thinking the other day, I never want Eddie to feel like I diminish what he did for yeah. us because it, when we needed him, he was the man. But then as Eddie moved on and, and things got busy for him and we kind of needed the, the website to go a little bigger, Kyle Fluger stepped right in and yeah. helped us out. So that's kind of where it worked out. We've been incredibly lucky. But if you look at our website and look, there'll be a lot more things coming in the next couple of weeks. More blogs are coming. Photos are coming. All kinds of fun things. We got a meeting with Kyle coming up to get it expanded out. Very, very excited about the future of our website. And you'll be excited about the future of your website after a call to Kyle. Absolutely. All right. Raider football. We talk about Raider football oh, yeah. all the time. We've done this before, okay? When they got what? Randy Moss, I don't think I was ever more excited when they got Randy Moss. Yep. So happy. Thinking about what, what about when they got John Gruden? Oh, John Gruden was extremely excited as well. But Randy Moss is different. I mean, we played autumn wind nonstop. Yep. We called every old Raider we could yep. find in our phone. In ben front Davidson. Of <laughs> How you doing, Jeff? Hey, Ben. I'm doing great, baby. Oh, my God. Every defensive back we could find from the 70s. Yeah. We called we call Tom George Flores. Atkinson. Yeah, we called George Atkinson. It was great. We could bother Tom Flores and Palm Springs. We All the time. everybody. I mean, that day. Do you remember? Yeah. It, was, it was like we were hosting Greatest Raider. Day ever. <laughs> I may have cried. <laughs> <laughs> we just crouched and burned. It's so great. Well, Moss at least came and was halfway okay. There have been a lot of other dipshits that we called all those guys to celebrate, too. 
<laughs> we didn't call for Jeff George, just so you know. No. But we, we were excited about Moss. Now, this Antonio Brown thing, I'll tell you another guy was, uh, who's that guy? Dang? Who was the, D'Angelo Hall. Guy yeah. We were oh, I loved him. I remember we were, Stole on, him. we were on the bus coming back from Arizona with the one who Costa cried. Yeah. And the deal came down, and we like stood up and told the whole bus, fuck you guys. <laughs> we just got D'Angelo Hall. Fuck off. <laughs> So last night, extremely excited with Antonio Brown coming to the Raiders. And we knew he was coming to the Raiders, right? Well, the funny thing is my friend Steve, who listens to this podcast, is a Buffalo fan. Okay. And so when that story started to happen last week, I was like, well, good fucking luck for Antonio Brown. Yeah. He's gone. He's going to Buffalo. But then as I wrote to my friend Steve today, I said, uh, hey, What's your favorite Frankie Valley song? Because to me, the one that comes to mind is so close, so close and yet so far. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, I think it's great. Yeah, you would have figured at some point. And I listened to a couple of different things today. I don't know, Dave, that I really look at it like you traded Amari Cooper a third and a fifth and got Antonio Brown in a first because I don't think you knew you Brown would be available. No. But... It it's incredibly exciting. It is. The guy's always open. Always. Yeah. No matter what you do, he's always open. What's funny is I remember getting mad at John Gruden when they played the Chargers. And they uh, Mari Cooper was targeted one time. Yeah. And I was sitting 10 feet from Gruden, and I said, how does he target at one time? Yeah. And he goes, well, sometimes defenses do things to take your man out of the game. And I said, it's funny because Antonio Brown's targeted every week, but he gets the ball 12 times right. a game. It happened to be the same guy I threw in my argument back to him. And sure enough, they get Antonio Brown. And for a steal. Am I crazy? Oh, it was great. It absolutely great to get that deal done. Uh, so my stepson is a Steelers fan. So I texted him today and I said, hey, uh, you seem to be a little fucking quiet uh, that your boy got traded to the Raiders. He goes, you know, I was going to text you. <laughs> But then I realized that he's the only guy you have on that team, and your team's still going to be horseshit, so I didn't bother. I said, you know what? You're grounded. <laughs> he's like, I'm 30 years old. I go, fuck you. You're fucking grounded. He goes, all right. Tell me just lost phone privileges. <laughs> he goes, how long am I grounded for? I go, four years. He goes, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I, Dave, I have no idea. But they crashed that thing. To get him for a third and a fifth yeah. uh, was great. It was great, and so there is rumors that they could still go after Odell Beckham Jr., right? And there are rumors right. also that they could get Le'Veon Bell. See, the Le'Veon Bell deal makes a lot of sense to me. That could be now. Here's one that I wonder if you would do. What would it take? So everybody is hyped on Kyler Murray, yeah. But if if the Cardinals are going to take Murray, there are still a lot of people that are hyped on Josh Rosen, yeah. And they're going to have to get rid of Josh Rosen in Arizona. Is the smarter play for the Raiders to take the third of your three number ones and flip it to the Cardinals for Rosen? I wouldn't, man. They need so much help on defense still. I mean, they're so bad. They they picked up a defensive lineman while we're doing the show. But at the same time, yeah. it's a great draft for defensive alignment. They have no corners. They have no linebackers. Yeah, they have no safeties. They'd have fucking nothing on defense, But that team. But if you're looking and and to restructure that whole cap, and it sure feels like, man, as much as they talk about Derek Carr being their franchise quarterback, that always feels like coach speak yeah. that they're getting ready to move Derek Carr out. 
I, I don't know, Dave, would you rather gamble with Rosen moving forward than Murray? I mean, I'd Murray- rather, I'd rather, if I was the Raiders, I mm-hmm. would I would take Murray over Rosen. Rosen's always hurt. Always. He was hurt. He was silly all the time. Yeah. I mean, I could see a team like the Chargers or the Patriots going for Rosen just because they're in a situation they have two so quarterbacks. Today. Okay. And say, same thing then. I, I, I could see that. Whereas the Raiders are, need to sell PSLs. They got to get True. excited for Vegas. You, you got to focus your energy towards saying we're going to compete as soon as we get to Vegas. Yeah. And that's really what they're looking to yeah. do. So, look, I don't know, but it, it it's the same deal as uh, Machado, right? Yeah. Because what you saw and what uh, Albert Breer did a great job breaking down today is for a guy in Brown, there were only three teams and really only two teams that ended up being Buffalo and it ended up yeah. being the Raiders that had any interest. Eagles checked in, but they kind of felt like both sides were just doing due diligence. And so that's it. So you go, I don't have any idea. I don't know why more people didn't want the third baseman on my baseball team. I don't know why more people didn't want the wide receiver on my football team. All I know is I'm really happy to have them both. Exactly. Here's the deal with uh, with Antonio Brown. Last thing I'll say mm-hmm. is when you did your fantasy football draft a year ago. Yeah, he, he was, was the one, number one guy. He was, he was in the first round. You know, the Raiders got a first-round fantasy football draft guy. I think ESPN may have had him, if not last year, than the year before. But it feels like last year, too, he was the right. number one overall guy. Him and Le'Veon Bell were right at the top. Yeah. It was him with Todd Gurley. Those three guys were right, right. there at the top with everybody. Johnson, of course, from Arizona. But I'm telling you, there are some. Uh, th- there's a chance. If Carr can do anything. Carr only threw one interception in the last eight games of the season. He wasn't completely horseshit all last year. No, I know. I, I'm I'm not looking to move Carr out, but it feels like they're looking to move yeah. Carr out. There's a lot of money invested in Carr. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I Look, they didn't panic and give up a number one. Yeah. So I don't how know about, on that. How about Mayock? His first big deal is a huge one. Yeah, I mean, is is that him? I mean, it's probably Gruden. T- but it's still, Mayock gets the credit. He's the GM. Right. Worked out. I, yeah. Again, Dave. You have multiple picks. You got another fifth round pick back today, um, so you you end up basically giving up a third. Yep. Uh, for Antonio Brown, yeah, I'll fucking make that exactly. deal. Any, I'll make that deal any day. And and maybe other teams just didn't flat out have the cap space to go get that guy. And that sounded like where he wanted to be. I mean, hell, the, the video he showed of his kid wearing a Raider helmet that was an authentic Raider helmet. Wasn't like one of those he bought in the Sears yeah. catalog. He had a, was like, how did he have an authentic Raider helmet sitting around the house? I don't know, but I like it. Whoever got it to him did a good job. That was fantastic. Uh, as far as this weekend goes, it was a it was a crazy weekend. Um, mm-hmm. I'll I'll cut I'll cut it as short, and you can talk as long as you want about it. But I knew Eastlake Little League, where I coached for years. We we talked about this throughout our basically whole radio time for the last fifteen years about coaching baseball in Little League with Josh and Jake and. Hell, you I remember you coming down to watch Josh play when he was 11 years old. Yep. You know? And so Eastlake Little League was where all my time was spent coaching. I coached mm-hmm. 42 teams Fuck. in that league. I mean, it's crazy. When you figure it out, and you go, how the hell do you coach 42 teams? That's yeah. that's a shitload of teams. I loved every minute of it. It was my favorite place to be. But I, I mentioned yesterday, when we moved into this neighborhood, I used to drive by those fields while they were putting them together and going, this is awesome. We're going to yeah. be by 
little league fields where we can walk to and my kids can play ball and I can pitch to them and everything else. It was everything we ever dreamed of. You know, I was lucky enough where my kids were, were good and they had good friends that uh, we had great experiences. You know, it's people got you won a lot of championships. It helps when your kids are all stars every year, you know. Yeah. And so it was the winning was fun, but the memories were everything else. The winning is, is so little when you talk about oh, yeah. Little League best. But at the moment, it's a big deal to say, hey, we won. But, man, honestly, Jeff, I used to always look as a coach to see the next year when I get my form of all the players that sign up for baseball. How many guys were on my team that signed up from last year to this year? Yeah. If I got them all to sign up, it means I, did, I was a successful yeah, coach. Yeah, they had fun. That means they enjoyed the experience. Yep. And, again, no one ever knocks on my door and go, can I see your championship plaques? Nobody gives yeah. a fuck. No. Nobody remembers except for certain people. So going through the whole thing, I knew a couple weeks ago, Eastlake Little League contacted my friend Christy Lozier and said, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to do something for Jake. And they then Christy called me and said, are you okay? And I said, I would absolutely love it if they did something for Jake. I had no idea what it was. Christy called you. You had more details even than what I knew was going to happen. And then I didn't tell anybody else. I didn't say, hey, opening day ceremonies for Eastlake Little League, they're going to do something for Jake. I didn't tell any family members. I didn't tell any friends. I knew you said you were coming. You, mm-hmm. I knew you were going to bring your boys. But I didn't even remind you yesterday because it was supposed to be the week before, but it got rained out. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, Jeff remembers fine. I'm not going to bother Jeff. You know who it was? It wasn't even uh, Christy who big-timed me. <laughs> uh, I'm teasing. It was uh, Matt from Eastlake Little League. Is that right? Yeah, it was great. And heard me give my email address on the show and reached out to me like two weeks ago and said, hey, man, we're doing this thing, and and we'd love to have you there. And I was stoked. Yeah, that was Eastlake Little League that got to me. That is awesome. Really great. I was completely uh, completely shocked. So I got to tell you, we um, yesterday, you know, you get up, and it's like a regular day, and I yeah. you, getting up is usually the hardest part of my day. And all of a sudden, man, I, man, I was a wreck, and my oh, wife yeah. was a wreck. And I started thinking of everything Jake would do to get ready for games and get his stuff together. And then he would make me drive from, even though you know we don't live far from the field, we had to still have to bring all the equipment for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And he'd have me roll down the windows of the car and he'd have me blast Trick Daddy as loud as he could <laughs> to let everybody know we were here. And all his friends would cram in, the, in that car mm-hmm. and we'd play you know, Trick Daddy and, and we'd pull in the same parking spot because it's superstitious. And man, I just bawled, man, right? And bawled. I mean, I was—I think it was the first time in my life I ever just cried in the shower, which was weird. You can't tell where the tears are and where the water is from the faucet. And it was honestly, man, I think yesterday felt harder than the day of his funeral. Yeah, because my son's happiest moments were right there at that field with his friends, and then the people from San Diego State shocked me. Yeah, you know, uh, his teammates that showed up that had a late night game the night before, and then had a game yesterday, and they got up super early in the morning, and they made what it a down good there. Group of dudes, man. It was so you know, and and uh, point them out: Julian Escobedo, the center fielder, and Casey Schmidt, the All American, Brian Leanhart, the first mm-hmm. baseman, were there. Roman Padilla, who played T ball with them, and, and Casey was was a T ball player with Jake. To see those guys there at four years old, were right there, and then those, all those guys showed up. But then all the friends in the community, you know, I can go on and on. Overwhelming. Um, it was it was a crazy, draining, hard day, and extremely sad. And there was another kid there who lost his mom, oh, and I man. cried with that kid when his sweet kid when man. you could see him and his dad crying that they the, the dad was was a wreck and the mom and they gave uh, they gave a bunch of white balloons to let go for the mom into the sky and it, it was it was a hard day. It was uh, I'm really appreciative they did that. I'll never forget it. And they they put a plaque up for Jake forever, and they gave me a copy of the same plaque. But it was uh, it was a great day and, and probably the toughest day. Yeah, you know what was crazy about it was going in there. I thought 
I thought what they did at Eastlake Little League yesterday was so great and such a nice thing. But the thing that you can't get by is you go, man, look at all these little dudes, right? All these little dudes. And my sons were with me. Now, my sons have transitioned to playing basketball. They had a basketball game yesterday. But I was saying to them as we are watching the little guys run around, everybody's got their uniform and their hat, their belt, their shoes, and all that stuff. And, David's the innocence that we love about that game, right, at that yep. level, that's so much fun. And, and I'm looking at the parents and the moms and the dads and the coaches. I, I loved every part of it. I loved every part. I loved the board being introduced. I loved the challenge teams really hit home with me. I love that Eastlake does that. Kids that are are fighting different challenges get the opportunity to play. They built their own field for them. It's awesome. Uh, I just, it's so amazing what they did. But at the same time, I'm watching all this, and I go, man, it wasn't that long ago that my goofy buddy Jake was that kid, and yeah. he was the biggest kid on his team. He was the goofiest kid on his team. He was the funniest kid on his team, and I just, to me, yesterday was just one of those days, like a lot of days, where you go, fuck, man, he's not coming yeah. back. Like, and, and the thing that I was saying to my own sons driving out of there is I go, look, the loss that, that Dave and Rita and, and Josh feels is unmatched, but I said, I hope they take a little comfort in knowing the impact that their son had on others starting with me yeah. because I said going in that little league field and thinking about him and just like if he was there, it, like the visual that I had to keep from crying where I was laughing was I was like, what if they said, you know, Dave, we're going to put a plaque for you for your coaching accomplishments here in the trophy room. <laughs> and uh, that's what I was just sitting there thinking like, Dave, we're going to honor you for your, your fine quality. Yeah. Thanks. And I would have stood right next to Jake the whole time yeah. because it would have been complete. Oh, fuck. <laughs> this fucking guy. He's going to pitch one ball. He throw shit. Jake, how much did he pay these guys? A lot. <laughs> fucking got every kid from over the border. He brought all these kids in. <laughs> Working on birth certificates. Right. Yes. And that was just like, Dave, that was just what I was thinking. Yeah. Was this? This would have been... Like if they said, hey, you know, we're going to have a coach's wing and today we're going to honor Dave, I would have been right with Jake. Can you believe this shit? Can you believe it? Oh, fuck. This fucking Little League Connie Mac. And it would have just been on the whole, hey, Dave, why don't you come out and throw the first pitch? Oh, shit. Are you kidding me? This guy, it would have just, he would have been, he would have been out of his mind. Just, hey, Dave, why don't you say, a oh, is he going to cry? Look, he's going to cry. He's going to get emotional right now. And that's all I was doing was just yeah. having this conversation in my head, like wishing he was there. I just, I wish he would have, would have been there. Uh, the whole thing. I also know this, Dave. I, I know this from conversations with him. He was very aware that he was loved. Yeah, he was. But anybody who fights depression, and I know this feeling, there are still plenty of times where you're you're completely aware that you're loved, you're aware of the impact that you've made on people, but there are days when you feel alone. I just think he would have been really, really touched. I agree with you. By I, what they did for him. Like, yeah. I, I just think he would have thought uh, that was really cool. 
and uh, and I just I felt his spirit a lot with us yesterday. But I just I think what those guys did for your family and what they did uh, for Jake's memory was great. Was. And uh, and I just I just think you saw a lot of people yesterday that impacted it. It's just what I tell you all the time is that you don't have to fight that battle by yourself. I, I can't like we say, I, I can't sit here and go, hey, tomorrow's a yeah. better day. There's no fucking such thing, man. There's no such thing. But but for others to say whoever ran point on that and I sure appreciate Matt contacting me. Uh, it was nice, man. Yeah. I miss him. I miss him every day. Yeah, I tell yeah. you, I miss him every fucking day because he just he had no time for your bullshit at all, and it was something that we enjoyed a lot. And uh, I would just be ragging the fuck out of him about <laughs> Manny Machado right now, and he would be ragging me about Machado. Yeah. Oh, he sucks. Fuck. Good oh, luck. I'll take Turner. Oh, fuck you. You're not taking <laughs> Turner, you dick. Um, but then we would have celebrated Antonio Brown, and yeah, just uh, I m- I miss him every day, and I know I can't imagine, but very nice what it, they did for your family. It absolutely was. Here, here's real quick. Uh, it's funny. I said at one point, at first I didn't know I was going to speak. I felt like I, I oh should. yeah, no, you so, did great. So I said, uh, hey, can I say something? Because I wanted to thank people. Um, but, yeah. But so I said at one point, I said, hey, let me tell a quick story. And everybody who knows me is like, oh shit. You know, what's he going to say? The people right. get nervous. I'm like, hey, I'm a professional fucking speaker. Relax. Yeah, we've heard. But when you brought up Matt, the one of the stories that, that popped into mind, because Matt's oldest son, uh, or Matt, yeah, Matt's old son, Jack, was a very good baseball player, played at USD. He yeah. was a year older than my son, Jake. And Matt was, I mean, Jack was that big kid. That You know, so it was that big kid in Little League yeah. that was better than everybody, 12 years old, and he's tall, hitting home runs. And he knew he was good, and he worked through intimidation. I also coached that kid in high school, by the way. He's a great kid. He was at our, our 20th uh, anniversary show, by the way, at Eastlake uh, Country Club. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he was there to see Lisa Ann. He was <laughs> not a dumb kid. And then, um, <laughs> so he's at First Bakes. He's 12. Jake's 11. And Jack wears glasses. And all you hear is this. Jack, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to rip those glasses off your head and show them so far up your fucking ass. And I look at my first base coach like, you going to step in? And he just takes three steps backwards, away from it. Didn't want to mess with either kid. He was afraid. <laughs> he was like trying to break up a rattlesnake fight. And I was like, what are you doing? And you know what? From that moment on, which is funny, you break the ice. Both yeah. those guys became like best oh, friends. Oh, fuck. I mean, they, they yeah. dug each other. But all of a sudden, one 11-year-old pushes back on the 12-year-old. And I think Jack was shocked. I'm looking at Jake like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah, Jesus. Sh- you don't shut up. <laughs> exactly. That's how I felt. <laughs> if you don't shut the fuck up, it's all you hear. <laughs> umpire looks at me like hey what are we supposed to do now yeah and i was like well my first page coach isn't gonna do shit yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> i'll figure it out hold on, hold on a second yeah but the other thing is they i thought josh was gonna throw out the first pitch yeah and then they asked me to do it and i said you know fuck it i got thrown so much bp on this guy dang field I'll, I'll do it and I, then i was like i wasn't gonna throw it from the mound yeah then you get in my head i'm thinking if i don't step on this fucking rubber yeah jeff is gonna give me shit i was even- filming did he film it? Yeah, it turned out great. I was like, I'm not going to, I better throw from at least the rubber because it'll give me shit. And uh, th- that was that was awesome. Throwing the pitch to Josh was uh, was extremely sad for why we were there, but it was his favorite place to be in the whole world. His, if you ask Jake, his favorite memories happened right there on that field. And so uh, that, yeah. that was awesome. It really was an outstanding day. And the love and support from having you there and having our closest friends there were, was amazing. Didn't, yeah. didn't see it coming. Uh, then uh, we went to Lolita's. What the fuck is with the Lolita's taco shop in Eastside? Is that fucking thing like Fleming's? Well, what do you mean? The what fucking I, what taco happened? shop. Why the fuck? Yeah. It, 
It's like I felt like we we're gonna eat off a crystal in there. I'm like, I told, I'm like, we didn't fucking die in this place. Like we're dying laughing. It's like the night food was great. I'm not bitching. Lolita's oh, okay. is like, always. What happened? Oh god, no. Okay. I'm just like this is the nicest taco shop I've ever been oh, in in funny. my life. Yeah, it felt like you're at uh, Morton's. Uh, yeah, getting 45 day age breakfast burritos. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing in this place? Calm down, Lolita. I know you're in Eastlake. You're not in Beverly fucking Hills. Oh, that's funny. Okay, Bajan's not walking in. I didn't know you were staying around. I would have said we'd gone, gone out. We went out a little bit afterwards. We just, uh, we we ran and got something to eat. And then we just, eh, Dave, it was great, man. It was really, really great. I just, I dug it. And I appreciate your kids doing it, too. I have to get up early on a Saturday morning and go, what the hell? But ah, they, man, they, they awesome. do. They they had a great time, they too. Awesome. What was fun was uh, uh, seeing Julian Escobedo and Casey and all those yeah. guys. Really nice. And they were super cool to my kids. And I appreciate those guys very much. Um, we will not have a show on Monday. Where I'm staying is being tented. Now, how about this bullshit? Making meth like in Breaking Bad? Yeah. They're acting like they're tenting, but they aren't. Well, a couple of my neighbors <laughs> got fucking robbed. Oh, Jesus. A couple of my neighbors got robbed when the place was tented. And I'll tell you this right here. Anything in my fucking house gets taken, I'm going to bury the fuck out of that tenting company on here. I'm going to come on and be like, hey, I don't care if a book of matches is taken. I'm going to fucking lay you out motherfucker dude i told my neighbors i'm like i'd sue the hoa i'd sue the tent company i'd sue every fucking one of them because if you leave like people got really cameras get robbed yeah it's bullshit when you're supposed to be there so i will not um i i'm actually staying in carlsbad for the next two nights but we're gonna be back on thursday night okay so we'll be back on thursday night uh, so the second show there, here's what's going on too with Patreon. At some point we'll get this squared away for people that are worried about Patreon. What happened with Patreon was when we did the show talking about the bet, the Padre 10, Dave inadvertently in the title said you can win a thousand dollars. So Patreon panicked because they felt like we were running a sweepstakes yeah. or a lottery and it goes against everything they did. We were afraid that, you know, talking about blowjobs or facials, <laughs> that we had done the wrong thing. But they love that. Yeah, they Apparently, do. they're like, shit, bring it on. But don't tell anybody that they can win a sweepstake. Exactly. So we. So then I contacted them and said, look, here's what happened. It was an inadvertent mistake. We're a sports show, the whole thing. And they write me back. They're like, well, fucking Patreon. <laughs> they write me back to like, uh, I give the whole breakdown of the entire thing. They yeah. can't talk to me, even though my name's all over the fucking show, because we're registered under your email address. I'm like, hey. Yeah. Like, how? I, the show's called Dave and Jeff. I'm Jeff. Yeah. Like, you can't fucking talk to me. Maybe you need to come down a notch, Brett Eldridge. <laughs> So the hope is now I love Leisure Fryer who's concerned because he missed one show. Are you getting a refund? Yeah, you're going to get 61 cents right in the mouth. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I, I don't I'm not on the Patreon board of directors, you old fucking limp dick. I'm trying to get it fixed. OK, Dave's trying to get it fixed. Yeah, all of a sudden, when I do everything they ask me to do, hey, this is usually high volume. We're going to get to your problem in just a second. God damn. Fuck. Fuck. 
Okay, we're trying here, folks. All right, kiddo? <laughs> so that should be resolved. Um, I was trying to think if anything else was coming up. I think that's about it. Perfect. Otherwise, I think we're good. Good. So Thursday is the next time we're going to Yeah, we'll be back down Thursday. Hopefully, everything's squared away. And basically, we're just, we'll make sure that we're caught up on shows. And if nothing else, we'll just delay everything going out free for the time being. But... Uh, we are aware of it. We are working on it. We wanted to make sure it was not a big lingering thing, and it thinks it looks like it should be something. Some of you may get this on your phone tonight. Yeah. Like, it feels like there's some of you that are getting it, others that don't, but that's what it was. It was just they don't run on sweepstakes. We've explained that it. We've changed the title. We've done everything else, so hopefully it gets resolved quick. There you go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stop.